0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I wanna say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If you're brand new, I'm Tyler. You are uh, coming on a great Sunday. We're in the middle of a series called Dream Again. Everybody say, dream again. I'm gonna go through the whole book of Hosea this morning, all 14 chapters, buckle up. So we're just gonna dive in, turn your Bibles to Hosea 1. It's all gonna make sense, but I got a lot of content today. It's gonna to be a fun one. Hosea one, verse two, here we go. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of our children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate, everybody say illustrate. This is gonna give a picture. He's asking Hosea, I want you to be a living parable. When you were a prophet in the Old Testament, God was asking you to communicate the nature of God. to to portray the nature and character of God. So he's asking Hosea, Hosea, you're my prophet. I'm gonna ask you to show people what real love looks like, what real commitment looks like. I want you to show them really who I am. So I want you to go marry a prostitute. Goes on to say, uh, this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Stop. Can you imagine being Hosea at this moment? You're Hosea and God comes, he goes, hey, I got your future wife for you. And Hosea's like, oh my gosh, is she on the worship team? You know, she's serving kids. Is she that girl up there in the corner that's raised her hands and worshiping? God's like, no, 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 no. Walk walk out the doors. Well, hold on a second, but all the girls are, no, keep on walking, Jose. Okay, she had another church, she's doing like a kind of a, like, a, like a ministry club. She, she must be doing street evangelism, God. You want me to get an evangelist? Okay, I get it, I get it. No, keep walking, Hosea. Keep walking, Hosea. Keep walking, Jose. Keep walking, Jose. And eventually he... You gotta imagine this, walking into the red light district, the brothels, saying, yeah, that girl right there on the corner, that's your wife. I don't know about you, but in this room, if we were gonna pull the room, how many people's dreams have came true when they were little kids? I think it'd be a small percentage. I think one of the reasons why is I think we've just had so many different dreams from the world of what our life should look like. And the idea of dream again is, I believe that the world has sold you a bill of goods on how to dream. But then there comes a moment where we realize that the dream giver is not of this world, but he's of heaven. I was 15 years old and I had a dream of being 25, having a house with a wraparound porch, a bulldog, two kids, and a wife that laughed all my jokes. This was my dream. okay? Now, just why would that be my dream? I'm just gonna tell myself I loved chick flicks as a high schooler, okay? Um, I loved all the Nicholas Spark movies. I loved Sweet Home Alabama. Why do you want to marry me? So I can kiss you anytime I want. I loved all of it, okay? And don't get it twisted. I liked Braveheart. I liked the tough guy movies too, but just remember watching movies and just that that was my dream at 15. And so at 25, I wanna let you know, I had no house, no wife, no kids, and not even a dog. Not even the bulldog. Now the, the dream is now not a bulldog, it's a gold retriever. My prayer today is that God would give you a picture. He would illustrate a picture of what your life should be and could be. So I think a lot of the times life, we wish it was like this, where you would get your life like a puzzle and it would show you the picture of everything that you're supposed to do. Who loves, where are my Star Wars nerds at? Yeah, oh. Who's, who's Ren's parents? Do you think Ren's parents are, um, are Darth Vader? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, I don't know. But Wren will find out um, soon this Christmas. But Star Wars, you get this puzzle. Very normal. We know how puzzles work. You look at the picture on the box. And then the picture on the box tells you when you see a little pink little square, you put it up in the top left hand corner. You start seeing little people's faces. We're going to put on the bottom part. And you start working on the puzzle because you have a picture to put it all together. I wish life was that easy. Life's more like this. This is a thousand pieces of a different puzzle and it just gets tossed to you. It's like, hey, here you go. Put that together. You're like, uh, I don't even know where to start. Toss it back, I need that for my illustration. Thanks. Thank you. I think we all start with this and then we go to the world and we see the world and go, okay, yeah, I get it. If, if I can put together a, ho- a house made of money, if I can make a lot of money, then my dreams will come to fruition. Because the question is, what is the picture on the box for you? Is it a promotion? Is it a person? Is it a spouse? A marriage will not fix you. Money will not fix you. A promotion will not fix you. All the things you're looking to satisfy, none of those things will satisfy you. Jesus. You wanna know what the dream is? The dream is not a what, it's a who. And his name is Jesus. And my prayer is is that we go through this Dream Again series is that we would take our carnal dreams that the world has shown us, the the way the world has shaped our minds, and we would go to the word of God and let the word of God allow us to dream differently. How can we change the world if we dream just like the world? How can we dream, oh, if I just get these three things just like the world, everything's fine. That's That's not the dream. But what if we were saved to save the world? What if we were loved to love the world? What if we were forgiven to forgive the world? What if we were restored to help other people find the restore, which his name is Jesus? Will you bow your heads with me? So Father, this morning as we go into dream again, Hosea, I pray that we would have our eyes opened to the picture on the box. Lord, there's been so, so many different pictures of, well, if my life could just be this, if my spouse would be better, or my kids would be better, or if my boss was better, then everything would be fine. That is not the dream, you're the dream. Father, open our eyes to who you are. Open our eyes to whose we are. Oh, may my words fall to the floor. May your words soar. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you. Everybody said? Yeah. All right, here's what we're going to do. A lot of teaching today. Uh, bear with me. There's two ways to preach on a Sunday. You can teach or you can preach. Teaching is sharpening the ax. It's that simple. It's, it's, it's um, sharpening the ax. Preaching is teaching you how to swing the ax. Another way you can say it is teaching helps equips you. It gives you the tools to on the journey. Preaching helps you want to run and go for it. And so both are vital. You need to be taught, but you also need to be preached to, so you go live the life you're called to live. So we're going to teach in the very beginning. Is that okay? So here's what it looks like. I'm just going to kind of give you an overview. We're going to, um, we're going to look at what, what's God trying to show us through this living parable of Hosea. Second thing we're going to look at is what's going on in Israel at this time. Third one, what's going on with Hosea and Gomer. Fourth one, what does God want from me? And five, what now? So we got five what's to the story of Hosea. Okay, so here we go. First, what? What is God trying to show us in this living parable? Real quick, this is what God's trying to show us. Our relationship with God is like a marriage. That's what he's trying to show us in this book of Hosea. Scholars say that the picture of Hosea and Gomer and what God's trying to show us is the greatest depiction of God's love until the cross. So 750 years before the cross in the Old Testament, scholars say this is the greatest depiction of God's love for his people, this this story, Hosea. And so the story shows that our, our relation with God is like a marriage. Second thing God shows us in the book of Hosea is our relation with God is like a bad marriage. It's here, all right? Third thing, what God's willing to do to make it a great marriage. But that, that's where we get hope. That it's, it's like a marriage, but it's like a bad marriage, but what God is willing to do to make it a great marriage. And then fourth, this is what he's trying to show us what our life could be if we allow him to do what he needs to do and receive what we need to receive from him. This is the promise. This is what's going on in, in this story. So what's going on in Israel? Let's just look at that. So Jeroboam, he's king. Uh, Israel's economy, business is booming, okay? I mean, chik ching chik ching Military might, the affluent, they're loving it. This is a very prosperous time for northern Israel. So everything's going well, very affluent time. Um, what happens with affluence? What happens with affluence? Here's what he says in Hosea. How prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. But the richer the people get, huh? the more pagan altars they build. The more bountiful their harvest, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. I don't know about you, but in the Old Testament, we kind of always focus on the wilderness, like the hard times, the valleys. You know, like uh, Moses through the wilderness. The wilderness will expose you. When you go through something hard, it exposes you. So in the wilderness, what happens with Israelites? They start complaining. But Moses, he's he's different. He starts crying out to God. Have you ever seen anybody who gets um, like in a pressure situation? Everybody acts different. But that's really what's inside that really tells on them. So for me, when I get really, really frustrated, I get really quiet. My wife gets really frustrated, she's Italian, she gets really loud and big. It's very, very entertaining, okay? Um, or she gets like really like godfather you know what I'm saying? Like I asked you to take the toilet seat, you know, and, and, the, and the garbage, you're supposed to take it out. I'm like, what are you doing right now? Are you, are you the godfather, you know? Um, for me, I shut down and I give up. Not in life, but just like if somebody hurts me, I'm like, you're done. This is what I've noticed about me when, the, when I'm in the wilderness and God's working on that. that's not how I'm supposed to operate. But what happens when you taste success? What happens when prosperity comes your way? That's what's going on in this moment of Israel's history. So much prosperity that he says, the more prosperity you taste, the more you advance in finances, the more you become distant from me and the more you build sacred pillars. The question is not, Can, is God big enough to make your dream to come fruition? That's not the question. Here's the question. Are you big enough to steward the dream? That's the question. I've seen people blessed right out of the church. Just, I was in LA. The guy's like, oh, I'm gonna start a prayer ministry, Tyler. All right, man, let's do it. I remember meeting with him. He brought up this like big old like 10 page packet of what prayer is and how we could really impact the, uh, um, the Burbank area. He's like, let's go for it. And then he gets a starring role in a movie. Never to be seen again. Blessed right out of the church. Prosperity came his way. See you later, God. And if I could be honest, I think there's no other book in the Old Testament that we can relate to more than this book in the Bay Area. If I went to a third world country and preached about prosperity and how they're tempted by it, in a third world country, they'd be like, I don't even know what that's like. I can either go to church, try to find some otter, or try to make money to survive today. Those are my options. But in this, this culture, man, they had three things that they, they believed would give them joy. And you see this throughout Isaiah. One is, they believed inanimate object, objects would bring them joy inanimate objects. A.K.A. they thought things would fulfill them. God addresses this. You think things can fulfill you. Another thing is they thought that they could literally buy love. They could buy pleasure. Sex trafficking was big in this time of affluency. And last but not least, they thought that Israel is in a time where the affluent can get whatever they want. Basically what happened, and you got to think this verse, I want to read to you real quick. He goes, the more pagan altars they build, the more bountiful the harvest, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. The more beautiful their sacred pillars. Basically is what it's saying is, Israel made a bunch of other things more important than God. Did you know that you can get everything you want and lose everything you need? Get everything you want, but then lose everything you need. You get the promotion, but you lose relationship. You get pleasure, but you lose intimacy. Intimacy. This is what's happening in the time of Hosea. So God comes on the scene and says, I need to show these people a picture. I just can't have Hosea say it. He needs to be a living parable. So let's get into the next one right here. What, uh, what's going on with Hosea and Gomer? Let's just unpack this real quick. So Hosea being an obedient prophet. Now, when we read this book, just because we've watched so many Disney movies, just because we've been impacted by Hollywood, we think this is kind of like the, the greatest like chick flick story of the Old Testament, okay? This is not about a marriage at all. It's about a God and his people. This is not a uh, the. You can take some pearls from it and some principles from it, but really God's trying to show what the people of Israel are doing, and so He uses a marriage to depict it. And so Hosea marries Gomer, and your guessing of it going uh, basically bad is probably a good guess. He's marrying a prostitute. They have three kids: three kids, two boys, one girl. The third one is a son. He names him Loammi. Loammi. Loammi means not mine. His third kid wasn't even his. So he's married to this woman and the third kid isn't even his and so he names him Not Mine. So right after, this is, this is a, basically, let's just be honest, Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. So what's the opposite of those who are planted in the house of God? Those who are planted in the world will perish. And so Gomer is living a worldly way. It goes from bad to worse. The world never ever goes from bad to good. It always goes from bad to worse, to worse to destroyed. And so Gomer leaves Hosea we go into chapter two. And Hosea basically finds this out. She's living with another man that can't provide for her, can't take for her, uh, take care of her. So Hosea is dropping off food to take care of Gomer and she doesn't even know it. He's coming to this man's house who doesn't care about her and is just using her and Lydia's giving him food and then walking away. This is Hosea to Gomer. And then eventually Gomer gets passed around the scholars believe that either this guy was just a terrible human or he was a pimp. To where God says to Hosea, go and get Gomer again. But now when he goes to go get her, she's being auctioned off as a sex slave. And you've got you to understand this. The picture shows that, and in the context of human history shows, that Gomer is in the lowest point of her life at this moment. She is on an auction block and she is naked. They would strip her bare so you could see the goods of what you're going to buy. And so you got to imagine the auction. You got to imagine it. The person in the crowd, 10 silver coins, 11 silver coins, 12 silver coins. And you got to think that if you're Gomer, there's no way that she's looking around. The only thing she can do is close her eyes and just stand there. You got to think that when she hears Hosea's voice, 15 silver coins and five bushels. This is. The equivalent of 30 shekels what a slave would go for. And he buys back his wife. Who buys back what is already theirs? Can you imagine him even coming down to that area going, hey, um, have you seen Gomer? Oh, You guys are still together? I, I didn't know, man. That's my bad. I think, I think she's down there. So he buys Gomer back and he wraps her with a robe and brings her back to her house. And I want, I want you to hear what he says to her in Hosea 3. Hosea three says this, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. This is him going and saying, go buy her back. Go buy her back, go, 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 go get her. I don't know about you, but for you to dream again, you need to love again. For you to dream again, you need to hope again. I believe this right here is a dream factory. But man, when the world gets a hold of this, it gets destroyed and people start dreaming and they just start being pessimistic. But man, you give this to God and you allow God to love and restore this thing, you start to dream again you start to actually dream again, man, I know my marriage is here, but I've seen God do things in people's lives and it could be here one day. I'm going to dream again for my marriage because I'm loving it again. You can believe that you've seen other kids that were wayward that came home because the parents just kept on loving them where they were at. And so you love again and you love again and you dream again that your son and daughter can come home and be everything they're called to be for your own life, wherever you're at. Like I, this is all I got. This is, this is my lot in life. If you would actually receive the love of God, you would actually maybe dream a little bit more for your life. That you would have more fulfillment, more joy, and more peace because he wants to love you again. Because his mercies are new every morning. Is this making sense? Let's keep going. <laughs> again, this is, you'll see this throughout the teaching. Then the Lord said, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate... Here Again, here's the picture. God's trying to show us the picture on the box. Come on. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and uh, love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. This is strong language. The, the translation of the Hebrew to the English text, it's not doing it justice. Because really what he's saying to to Hosea is this, love has standards, Gomer. I am yours and you are mine. I will not share you with anyone. And really what happens in the Christian walk, if I'm just being honest, we're so carnal in how we process church, is God is saying to his people through Hosea to Gomer, I am yours and you are mine. I will not share you. And when you come to church and you treat church like a pick-me-up, that is not its purpose. We're not here for a pick-me-up, we're here to be planted. Think about this. Hosea is saying to Gomer, plant yourself in this house. Do not leave this house. Stay married to me. This is the best thing for your life. If we do this, your life will flourish. And what God says to people is, don't come here for a pick-me-up and then go sleep with the world. Don't just, oh, I feel better today because I'm a consumer. Don't come here and say, I need to get something out of worship. How carnal can we be? You're not supposed to get something out of worship. You're supposed to enter into worship. Worship's going on in heaven. And we come to make out, oh, you know, how was worship today? It was good. It wasn't as good as usual. Usually on the third thumb I'm feel a little bit more goose bumpy. But if something happens, so I was like, oh, it's okay. You know, I was a little tired, you know. What happened? We, we, we have to understand this. We are in such a carnal consumer culture that sells us idol after idol. And what God is saying to you and I in the picture, if the picture you could just see it, it's you and it's him and nobody else. That is the dream. Have you ever met somebody or dated somebody and you just felt like you were never enough for them? Have you ever met anybody who has kids and they make their kids their dream and their kids are never enough for them? You need to hear some real quick. If your dream is your kids, you're putting the wrong yoke on your kids. If your dream is your spouse, you're putting the wrong yoke on your spouse. If your dream is a promotion or a job or money, you're putting the wrong yoke on those things. Now, here's what's so nice. When God becomes your God, when you are his and he is yours, you love your spouse, not for love, but from love. Yeah. You, you don't come to so thirsty and want to drink and take from everything. You actually come to pour out because you've already been poured into. This, this, this is what, what is supposed to happen to the believer when they say yes to Jesus. What's happened in the American church today is, if I'm being honest, man, we just be shopping. We just shopping all the time. It's, I mean, literally, like, sometimes on my Amazon, I'm like, I think I need to buy something. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna find something, <laughs> and I'm gonna click buy. Just one click, I don't even have to go to the cart anymore. It's so easy. And then, like, two days later, I'm like, I remember buying that. I just opened three packages, I forgot I bought stuff. One of them was this shirt. I was like, oh yeah, I got a shirt. Uh, JC shirt, $12 on Amazon, they're great. Anyways, okay, um, let's proceed. This shows that Israel will go, and this. I'm going to touch on this in the very end, but Gomer comes home. Hosea says, I am yours, you are mine. And then we have no idea what happens. What? God doesn't tell us if Gomer stays, if she gets restored. We don't, we don't know. It's like, hold on a second. Like, I'd like to know, Lord. I, I, I mean, you've heard me say this on Sundays. I Google the end of movies. If it's a bad ending, I'm not going to go see it. When I read this, I'm like, Lord, how could you not let me know the end of this? This is one of the most powerful stories of love. How does it end? And I believe God is intentional. Every word matters in the word. And I believe here's why he does it this way. Hosea means salvation. And Jesus is the prophet of all prophets. Gomer means completion. And so you got to catch this real quick. That Jesus is the better Hosea. And if you could just be honest with yourself... You and I are Gomer. What kind of God goes and purchases something that he already paid for? He created us, and yet he still has to send his son to buy us back because we are now being trafficked by sin. You got, you got to picture this real quick. You got a picture that a God would send his son and say, I'm going to go get back, Tyler. And now I am Gomer in the house, and I'm hearing God say to me, I am yours and you are mine. It's up to you, Tyler. How do you want this story to end? Do you want to respond to my love and flourish in my house? Or do you want to use me and go be a prostitute to the world still? This is the picture God has shown us in Hosea. Isn't it, I was a youth pastor for nine years. And I just remember seeing young girl after young girl just state the worst dudes. And I was like, just open your eyes. What are you doing? You know, what? I was youth pastors, but like, even like, even young boys were like, what are you doing dating that girl? She's terrible. And I wanted to shake him, but then I would go to prison. So I just preach real loud at him sometimes. <laughs> I invented a word that I never used for people until then. I was called them tool sheds. Stay away from tool sheds. I do not know why I used that word. Just it came to me as a youth pastor. So then girls would come about, oh, he's a tool shed. I'm staying away, Pastor Tom. I'm like, I'm proud of you. <laughs> but have you ever seen people just, why are you, why are you chasing after everything but God? And you think you're gonna flourish. How in the world can you make God so secondary and think your life is gonna be everything it's supposed to be? Because here is the picture that God has shown us in marriage is He is saying to me, He is saying to you, He is saying to us, that the way this marriage works is I am the ultimate priority. Ultimate priority. And until I'm your ultimate priority, nothing's gonna fall into place. Nothing. So let's, let's go on to the next point real quick. Next one is, what does God want from me? What does he want from me? Turn your Bibles to Hosea 11, 11. So 4 through 11, you see all these pictures of God calling people back, showing them what their temptations are, showing them what their idols are. And here's what he says in Hosea 11. And it's one of the most intense verses you'll ever read about Jesus talking about his inner emotions. It's so one of the most intense verses you'll find throughout the whole Bible. The other time would be you could find in the garden where Jesus is literally crying and bleeding blood. He says this, Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? You, you know what he's saying right there? If you could just look at the translation. How can I let you go? I can't. I'm love. You are my affection. I can't help myself. I don't do love. I am love. I can't give up on you, Israel. Over and over again, I will come and I will pursue you. Every morning when you chase after idols, I will be waiting for you to come home. He goes, how can I let you? I can't let you go. I can't. My mercy demands it. He goes on to say, how can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeboiim? My heart is torn within me. That translation is my heart is being shattered to pieces, watching you live for everything except coming to me. The God of the universe is sharing with you and I That when we go live for anything but him, it literally tears his heart to pieces. This is intense verbiage from a God. The God of all gods. The Alpha and Omega. The one that holds everything in the palm of his hands. He goes on to say, And my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel. For I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you. And I will not come to destroy you. For someday... I love He goes, I'm not a mere mortal. I'm God. And God is love. Humans, they need my love to operate. I'm love. I'm not a mere mortal. I'm not going to destroy you. Here's what I'm going to do. He goes on to say, I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will return trembling from the West. Stop. What does that trembling word mean? It means melted. It means soft. And why does he use roar like a lion? A lion's roar goes over five miles. It's the longest uh, um, uh, a roar goes in, in, in the jungle for their animal to know where they're at. So he goes, I'm going to roar and say, I'm right here. I'm going to roar to my people. All of your dreams, all that you've always wanted, everything you desired. I'm going to roar. My people are going to hear it. And they're going to come back soft. Not, not as scared, trembling, but as soft as saying, God, I've been broken by the world. I don't want the world anymore. I want you. I've tasted everything, and it just didn't satisfy me. I want you, Jesus. And what does God want from me? He says in Hosea 6, it's a powerful thing. Hosea 6, 6. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Stop. Hosea 4, 6. You'll see this, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, because it's just a powerful thing. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Not a knowledge of technology. Not a knowledge of mathematics. Not a knowledge of English. No, they perish for a lack of knowledge of knowing who God is. It says in, in Samuel that Samuel served God, yet he did not yet know God. So you've got people in the church for years, even serving, but they actually really don't know the goodness of God. I met some mean Christians, some unkind, unforgiving Christians. If you have experienced the forgiveness of God, you're going to be a forgiving Christian. If you have experienced the unconditional love of God, you're going to be a loving Christian. And so my hope is, is that you would understand what God wants you, from you. He wants you to know him. And he wants to know you. That's it. You think, oh, there's got to be more. Well, let's go to the New Testament. Let's see if the New Testament backs this up. Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you my prayers. I keep asking the, that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Out of all the things that Paul could pray, he's praying, I pray the Spirit would give you revelation that you would know him better. Do you know the Greek word know is the same word used when Adam and Eve knew each other sexually in the garden? How does that work then? Because it's not a sexual verse. It's an intimate verse. God is saying, Paul's saying, I wish you could know God like Adam and Eve knew each other intimately. How your spouse sees you when you're at church, you're like, hey, but then you get home and you're like, why am I so depressed? How are you guys doing? We're great. And you get home and it's terrible. Your spouse knows you well. And God wants you to know him well. To know that on every valley and every peak that he knows how to operate. Show this picture. It's Death Valley. It's located in California. It's one of our things we can be really proud of. Where are my Californians at? Woo! We love California! Um, I'm from Washington State, but I don't claim Washington State. I claim California. Um, so this is Death Valley. It is the deadest uh, place in America. It's recorded the highest heat ever in the world, Death Valley. Why is it the deadest valley? Because it's the driest valley. It's the driest valley. But a few years ago, it got seven inches of rain. And look what happened to Death Valley. Boom. It's called the super bloom. The super bloom. And what they found out was, is it wasn't dead after all. That It had seeds and it just needed a little bit of rain. And some of you, Jesus comes and says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you got to know me, you would think the things, the dreams that were dead, the things that were dead in your life, you would dream again because the seeds are there. The kingdom is there. If you just, starting to get to know God is like rain for your soul. Getting to know God, it takes the deadest and driest places of your life and it brings this new fruit you never would see. It's called the fruit of the spirit. You never thought you could have joy? Get to know God. Get the fruit of the Spirit. And just watch what happens to your life. Rachel uh, and I got married seven years ago. And I'll just use this term. Have you ever met anybody who had the case of so-loves? Like, gosh, they so love that person. They so love pizza. God has has it for us. For he so loved the world. Sent his son. He has the so-loves. I remember like being a single guy and I'd see husbands doing things that they shouldn't be doing. They'd be in a garden with their wife. They would be at like some weird like festival, you know. They'd be dressed up like Shakespeare things. I'd be like, what is wrong? That used to be my homie. What happened to this guy? She ruined him. Like, like come back, we're watching football, man. You know? Like, come on. Ooh, you know, like what happened? And then I got married. And marriage changes you. Like, here, here's, here's one picture. Oh, we'll just start. We're going to start soft. So, you know, let's just start real soft. Go ahead. First picture, please. Oh, we're going to go. Okay, we're going to go hard to paint. This is actually the one I was going to share last. We'll start first. So, why do I look so sad? This is the day I realized that love changed me, marriage changed me. I, I was wearing a green lantern, super tight, like literally tights um, costume at a harvest party. Now, you're like, Tyler, that's not a big deal. I made a vow that I would never dress up for Halloween. Not because I think it's evil, but uh, Halloween might be evil, harvest day is not evil. We'll talk about that later, different sermon for a different day. But when we started dating, like watch out, Rachel loves to dress up for harvest parties and she's gonna get you to dress up. I'm like, she's not gonna get this guy to dress up. Never, never that. Well, first harvest party, I had tights on and I was Green Lantern. (laughs) And this girl was just so happy, as you can tell, happy girl. You know, happy girl, happy you know, happy life for me. But it's kind of a, it was an interesting day for me. I realized, okay, this is my new life. This is my new life. Go to the next picture. Go to the next picture. This is Rachel and I in front of a field of lilies because that's what I like to do on a Sunday. We were just, we were, we were driving by some lilies and I was like, pull the car over, pull it over. We got to get a selfie in front of the lilies. No, go to the next picture. You know what, it's fall, sweetie, it's fall. We need to drive up, we need to find some ivy. So we literally drove around looking for ivy in California in 80 degree weather. We found this to kick off fall. We're like, fall. Again, not my idea. Let's go go one more time. Uh, This is us in the Shakespeare garden in San Francisco. A lot of you don't know exists, but wait till you get a girl, you'll find out exists, okay? I was like, what do you wanna do today? I wanna go to Golden Gate Park, there's a Shakespeare garden there, I wanna walk around, and I was like, okay. Okay, okay. And then, of course, I wanted to get a selfie because that's just what I love to do. Uh, next picture. And then I was like, you know what, babe? I love our selfie, but I want to take a picture of you in the lily field. Hey, I took that pic. How good is that picture, by the way? <laughs> Come on, that's, a, that's an impressive picture. Man, when you get married, it's going to change you. It's, it's just, it is. Like, I find myself, we'll be in Napa, and I'll be sitting there, and I'll look at Rachel, and I'll be like, isn't today just beautiful? I'm like... What, the, what, what am I doing right now? It's beautiful. Like I stop now and I look at things I never looked at before. Like I was reading this morning, deer were walking in front of our house. And I was like, it was a pretty deer. I stopped and just looked at it. And I was like, what am I doing right now? When did this happen? Why don't you catch this real quick? I've never wanted to be the pastor. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to close with this. I've never wanted to be the pastor that made you feel bad for missing church. It just doesn't work. Shaming people into how they're supposed to live. It's not how it works. And that's not even how God wants to do it. I do believe this. It says in Daniel that those who know God have an energy for God. It's a verse in the Old Testament. Okay, when you start to get to know God, man, you'll start doing things you never thought you'd do. You start setting up and tearing down at 7 a.m. You're like, when did this happen to me? I used to like get my pizza at 11 and watch football all day. And now I'm missing football games. When did this happen? You fell in love with the Lord. You're gonna find out that you are living a life and six months after you're getting saved, you said yes to Jesus, you'll be listening to a song like, I don't really like this song anymore. Sometimes we wanna regulate sin with the law. And we wanna say, "Here's here's the things you're not supposed to do. But man, when you fall in love with somebody, when you fall in love with God, those things take a distant backseat. Right, the things that you think you love now, watch how they just fall to the wayside. Watch when you fall in love with the King of Kings, you get to know him. You'll have a new energy. If you're apathetic right now, i, I just tell you, just get to know God. Get in a small group. Because it says the way you flourish, this is an amazing thing in Ephesians. It says in Ephesians 1, 16 through 18, it says... Praise so that you would have the revelation that you may know him better, but it goes on to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches. Who wants the riches? Everybody raise your hand. Who wants the riches? Come on now. Yeah. Everybody. Okay. You didn't raise your hand. You missed out on it. Um, the rich. Just kidding. Maybe. Um, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Stop. This whole promise of 116 through 18 is saying you need to know him. And when you get to know him, the eyes, of your heart, Hold on a second. Your heart doesn't have eyes. Yeah, it does. How is it that 10 people can be in a room and they all see something differently because they're looking through the wounds of their heart? How is it that 10 people can be in a church or 300 people can be in a church and 200 are like, man, I'm just, I'm loving this. The other people are like, they've been hurt. And the eyes of their heart are having them see something completely different. And so scripture is praying for us that we would get to know God because when you get to know God, your heart actually sees what you're supposed to see in life. AKA, you'll start to dream again the way you're supposed to dream again. You'll start to see the picture of your life the way it should be and not the way it is right now. This is God's prayer for you and for I. So what if it stopped right there? That'd be a pretty good message. I think I did pretty good today. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but I'm not done. No, stop, 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 stop. We only clap for Jesus, okay? Um, but last one, what now? What now? What now? What, what now? What now? All right, I get it. God loves me. It's like a marriage. It's like a bad marriage. He died on a cross so it could be a great marriage. He gave me the Holy Spirit so I could have fruit. I could have a super bloom of my own life. I could put it that way. This love could transform me that I would leave lust for love, that I would leave being a consumer and I would actually come into a covenant relationship that I wouldn't come for a pick-me-up, that I'd be planted and I would start to flourish. Okay, I get it, but, but then what? So... Yesterday I was praying, I was like, Lord, how does this story end with Hosea and Gomer? How does it end? Lord, I want to know. You know how I'm built. How? And I'm not saying this is how it ended, but the the picture God gave me, and this is just for maybe only myself, but I think it's for the church, because I believe that we're now are going from Gomer's to Hosea's. You know, the church sucks if it's full of Gomer's, just gonna be honest. AKA, you haven't said yes to being Hosea yet. You just come and take still. You haven't actually said yes to everything. Because we go from Gomer to Hosea. We, we are supposed to be like Jesus. So when you have people come to the church and all you do is take and they live for idols, church is going to be a tough place to go. But we have a lot of Hoseas, which you are a special church, Mission Church. We got a lot of Hoseas. We got 54 people in small groups. We got 70 some people leading, uh, serving on a Sunday. This is a church full of Hoseas. But I pictured this and I was like, what is the best way that it could have played out for Hosea and Gomer? if I were gonna actually write a Hollywood movie and say, this is actually the best way it could finish. I wouldn't write it like one of those Hollywood chick flicks. I wouldn't write it like one of those Disney movies. Here's how I'd write it. Is that Gomer, she's in the house and every day, Hosea gives her a hug just to give her a hug and just loves her and he serves her and maybe he brings her coffee in the morning. And she sits there and she thinks about what she's done, but. Jose doesn't talk about what she has done, but actually who she is and who she's gonna be. He calls her beautiful bride, he calls her restored, he calls her, he calls her, he calls her perfect. Things she's never heard. And over time, Gomer starts to get this new swagger where she walks up and she's singing in the morning and and Hosea is making her breakfast, and she's eating breakfast, and, and one day she's sitting there, and she has this worth, and she starts to feel this passion, so she's getting to know love, and so now she's starting to feel love, she's been saved, and so now she wants to save, and so Gomer's sitting there one morning, I just picture eating maybe a little bit of eggs and some, some bacon, and Hosea sits down in front of her, and she's, she starts to weep at the table, and Hosea's like, oh no, oh no, she's... This has been such a hard journey. Is she, she going backwards again? She she crying because she, she wants to leave? And so Gomer starts crying across from Hosea, but they're tears of a broken heart because she remembers a girl named Sally that was also trafficked in the brothels. And she goes to Hosea and she goes, Hosea, do you think, just maybe, I have a friend, her name's Sally. I want her to experience what I experienced. Do you think we could go buy back Sally for 15 silver coins and five bushels? And Jose would go, we'll get the money. Let's go get, get Sally. And so Gomer gets the money and she comes down to the brothel and everybody's like, Hey, that is that Gomer? Like she got it. She had different countenance about her in like, what she's wearing, but how she's talking and she walks up to the auction. She goes, 15 silver coins, five shekels. I'll take Sally. She closed Sally and walked Sally back and tell Sally, Sally, this isn't the lot that you have in life. You don't have to be trafficked by sin. You don't have to be used by people. Come back to the house. Come back. There's more than enough room in Hosea's house. Come back to the house. And Jose is like, okay, we, we, we save Sally. And, and, and Jose and Sally are sitting there, and, and Gomer's sitting there, and there's, there's a ton of rooms. And, 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 and Sally starts getting restored. And, and now Gomer and Sally are sitting there, and they're like, should we ask right now, or should we ask later? And they're like, let's just ask right now. And is like, what, what, what do you want to ask? Sally, sheepishly, says, I had four friends. They're so young they were sold into this at a young age. Can we have 60 coins? And can we have 20 bushels of barley? And can we go buy back my four friends? See it goes, let me see what I can do. He goes to get some money, and then Sally and Gomer walk into the brothels, and they speak up at the auction, and they say, I'll take all four of them, whatever their names is. We'll take the Spice Girls, give them to us. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is. And the four girls are like, why are you doing this? You don't understand. This is not what we're supposed, this is not our life. We we, we were sex addicts. We thought that sex would fill our our soul, but it's not. There's a whole new life. There's a house with many rooms. You can come live in it and be restored. Just picture the gospel. Jesus is the better Hosea. and Just put your name in there. God going to Jesus and saying, go buy back Tyler. He's being trafficked by sin. He is living a life he should not be living. Go get him, Jesus. Go get Tom, go get Phil, go get Tim, go get them all. Do we have enough money? Oh, my blood is more than enough. Go get them all. And the house, it's way big enough. My house has many rooms my prayer, if you would hear this today, church, we are doing another service for so many reasons. But one is, is you have to understand this. You are the Hosea in this region. If you don't go out and get Gomer, nobody does. If you don't do it, they stay out there trafficked. They stay. Let's finish with this. Philip Clancy and What's So Amazing About Grace, he shares a story about a woman who was a prostitute doing drugs, and he asked her this simple story, and then we'll, we'll be done, I promise. He goes, did you ever think about going back to church? And She goes, why would I ever go back to church? I already feel bad enough about myself. There's a lot of gomers that will never walk through these doors until a Hosea goes and gets them. Man, we are gonna be an evangelistic church. We're gonna go get the one. We're going to invite our friends. We're creating three services to make more room in God's house so they can come and find out that that, whatever that is is not their life. This could be their life. Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.